0: On today's episode of the Clinical Excellence Podcast, we have Dr. John Yoon talking about philosophy and medicine.
1: Is this really medicine? Is this what I thought I was getting myself into? And it was actually that sort of trying to figure out that existential crisis of like, what am I actually, am I actually caring for patients? Or am yes. I sort of kind of managing a system? Uh, am I really a physician who is trying to work for the good of the patient? Or am I sort of an RBU generating pawn yes. in a yes. medical industrial complex?
0: We're back with another episode of the Clinical Excellence Podcast, sponsored by the Bucksbaum Institute. On this podcast, we speak to patients and doctors about all aspects of excellence in clinical medicine. I'm Adam Sifu, and today I'm joined by Dr. John Yoon. Dr. Yoon is an Associate Professor of Medicine at the University of Chicago, An academic hospitalist and a medical educator, Dr. Yoon's primary research interests involved the fields of virtue ethics, vocation in medicine, and the moral and professional formation of physicians. He was co-investigator on the Project on the Good Physician, a recently completed longitudinal study of medical students funded by the New Science of Virtues project at the University of Chicago. Dr. Yoon is also associate faculty at the McLean Center for Clinical Medical Ethics, faculty scholar for the Program on Medicine and Religion, and a junior faculty scholar of the Buxfam Institute for Clinical Excellence. John, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, you bet. Thank you for this invitation. So recently, you've been working in the Philosophies of Medical Education Transformation Laboratory, yeah. which goes by the acronym p which is like the coolest acronym <laughs> in the world. Um, you'll tell me if it's a cooler acronym than what it actually stands for. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about it? Like, how did this get its start? And what, I guess, generally are the goals? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, my involvement with P-METAL um, has been kind of serendipitous and very fortunate in my career, but it's a laboratory of filled with philosophers and clinicians, medical educators who care about wanting to transform medical education for the good of the patient. It's housed in a Kern Institute, which is actually a little bit similar with the Buxbaum Institute in that it wants to help develop professionals who care about the doctor-patient relationship, um, and their focus is primarily rooted in character, caring, and excellence. So so the P-Metal Lab is functioning as sort of a foundational arm of the Kern Institute, helping medical educators think through conceptual groundings of all their initiatives Hmm. so that it's like thinking about if you're cultivating a plant, you want to make sure you got good soil, right? So that the the plant that grows uh, ends
0: up being fruitful. So I think they see themselves as sort of wanting to focus on the good soil. It's so interesting because I mean, so often in medical education, we're thinking about you know, what are we, what do we teach people? Um, right. And what we teach people is generally kind of textbooky stuff, right? It's like, okay, here's the physiology you need to know. Here's the anatomy you need to know. Here are the interviewing skills. Yeah, But it sounds like you guys are thinking about, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, the, the people before they get into medicine Mm -hmm. and then maybe how to, I don't know, nurture or preserve those people once they're in medicine. Is that kind of right?
1: One way to think about it, which is actually very articulately written by Kristen Collier, where she writes this article called, What is Medicine for? And in that article, she makes the distinction between learning to care for human bodies Mm. versus learning to care for human persons. Mm. And uh, much of, you know, since the Flexnerian revolution, (laughs) much of medical education has been focusing uh, on sort of helping medical students imbibe science and technology to be able to really be able to care for human bodies. Um, but it's really the humanities and philosophy right. that help orient uh, medical students and future physicians on on how we actually engage human persons while we're caring for their bodies. And that's sort of the distinction that I appreciate, um, that, that, that something like philosophy and medicine helps kind of um, reinvigorate as we're thinking about growing as doctors.
0: God, I, I want to sort of circle back to the philosophy issue. Yeah. But first, you know, I feel like we in medicine, and maybe if we just talk about conventional yeah. medicine, we've almost, I don't know, either abrogated our responsibility or, or farmed out the like the caring for the person in a way, right? We're so dedicated on caring for the body. Mm-hmm. And I think that's reflected in a lot of else that goes on in America, right, with people seeking care from you know celebrity physicians or non-traditional you know healthcare providers, let's call it. And so, when you guys think of kind of what American medicine is, like, how do you bring that that kind of caring back in? You know, can we build for it? Like, <laughs> um, where does it fit? Yeah, I mean,
1: that's in some ways the spark of my journey into this lab because I would mark the beginning of me thinking about philosophy and medicine uh, actually in a moment in a cramped call room during my internal medicine residency training where i'm sort of burned out and and it's not simply that i'm just tired but i'm sort of this existential crisis hmm. thing like what am i actually doing like here what am i right, actually right. is this really medicine is this what i thought i was uh, getting getting myself into um and it was actually that sort of trying to figure out that existential crisis of like, what am I actually, am I actually caring for patients? Or am I sort of kind of managing a ward, Uh, managing a system? Uh, Am I, am I really a physician who is um, trying to work for the good of the patient? Or am I sort of an RVU generating pond in a medical industrial complex? So those type of questions sort of started driving me to like, what was the foundational orientation that actually, you know, Trained physicians to think about what it means to care. Got it. And so, in some ways, I kind of had to go back to what originally what might have been called the medical humanities. But at least when I was growing up, we didn't really have medical humanities. <laughs> um, that sort of sort of launched the journey to kind of think about what you know what what kind of different lens can I start thinking about my practice.
0: It's a, it sounds like you did more with your existential crisis of residency than most people do, because um, I think it's not. That uncommon, right? That as you're pushed in the work, and you know, to some extent, the misery Mm -hmm. that you know has always been and remains medical training. That a lot of people sort of question. You know, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think some people come to okay. You know, how do I find things of value in what I'm doing? And other people unfortunately do kind of get burnt out and either leave the field or just kind of leave part of themselves out of the medical care.
1: I mean, granted, everyone has a different why yeah. to, to the what they do, you know? Right. And I, I in some ways, everyone has to kind of figure out what is gonna be their why. Um, even if it's just a matter of like <laughs> getting through the day and being able to care for my family and having a suitable sort of living. Um, but whatever that why is, it has to sort of ground your work yeah. in your sense of meaning. Yeah. Um, and so I don't, I don't judge folks for like, oh, what, you know, they've chosen this why or that why, but okay. is it going to be the one that's going to allow you to kind of continue in your long, in a Absolutely. sort of a long-term career?
0: So you mentioned philosophy, and reading some of the things you wrote prior to meeting here, I was a little lost about sort of like, (laughs) what does philosophy have to do with medicine? Or what is even, you know, philosophy stands for a lot, right? Like, like what philosophy are you even talking about when you discuss philosophy and medicine? I mean, generally speaking, I think of philosophy
1: as sort of the foundational fields that help you have that why got it okay so um in in the paper i had mentioned by christian collier she talks about um medicine like building a ship in philosophy they talk about sort of there's three components to medicine there's the science of it um there's the there's the technological aspect of it or the art and then there's the virtue and the character that comes with it so medicine is like building a ship in the sense that you sort of first need to ground the The foundational materials—that's the sort of the science helps provide to kind of think about how to build the ship. And then there's a know-how in building the ship, and that's sort of the art. But then you still kind of need a direction. Where Mm. are you headed with this ship? And how are you going to steer there? You know. And so Christian Collier talks about it in terms of philosophies like the rudder of that ship, kind of helping you sort of, you know, in connection with some sort of north star that you're aiming for Mm. to help steer the ship in the right direction. So. I think a philosophy in pretense with medicines helped me clarify my why of what I'm doing as a physician as I'm caring for patients. Um, Again, like for most folks, they have a different type of philosophy that sort of gears them. And sometimes it's implicit. Sometimes it's unreflective. But they have some kind of philosophy. It's just perhaps sometimes not always articulated.
0: Got it. So, you know, you do all this work, right? And you're very... Productive and involved on sort of a scholarly or academic, yeah. you know, thoughtful side. But yeah. you're also a clinician, right? Yeah. You're a busy hospitalist, yeah. and so like, how does this work affect, you know, how you practice as a physician? It's kind of like how you care for yeah. people. Yeah. Do you think about this, you know, when you're I don't know, you know, when you're writing admissions orders, or when you're <laughs> maybe more likely when you're when you're doing that initial H and P on someone. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, the way I think of it is like sort of giving me new eyes to see the same things that I do. So one question I had was, well, what's going to sort of move me from, you know, this place where I was in cramped call room thinking about whether I should continue to be a doctor and um, thinking about, okay, well, as I was kind of going through some of the literature um, on burnout. As I was reading through some of the philosophers who thought of, who helped me kind of diagnose my situation, like, oh, why is healthcare the way it is? You know, <laughs> why uh, there's actually sort of like philosophers thinking about why the modern world is the way it is, sort of running by the market and you know, yeah. all these other social forces that impact what we do as physicians. Even just understanding my situation was sort of helping me to give me that sort of strength to move forward as a physician. So sometimes it's sort of the unarticulated angst that actually causes burnout. But once you sort of know the diagnosis, then you can kind of like, okay, well, this is what modern medicine is. How am I going to now move forward, given this reality, in such a way that I can sort of keep my conscience clear, um, do do right by my patients, um, and also maintain a sort of a, a kind of life that my family and my kids would be like. I'm glad you're a doctor, Dad. Got it. Got it. <laughs> you didn't burn us on the way, you know. <laughs> so that
0: that's sort of a long way of just sort of yeah. helping me to have new eyes to see the same things I'm doing. Yeah, right that must also, and I know this is part of the work you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that must help a lot when you think about, I don't know, either selecting or educating um, students and trainees, because you. Have a little bit more of that. I don't know, kind of greater understanding of why you're doing this. Yeah. Is that true? I
1: mean, I sometimes when I'm with the wards, I, I ask sort of the students, you know, simple questions like, "Oh, what do you, what kind of specialty you're going to yeah. do?" Yeah. You know. Um, and eventually, if if I feel the student's open to it, I ask. Yeah. So why did you end up being doctor in the first yeah, place? Yeah. You know, because part of me wants to query, what is what is that why for for you? You know, and inevitably it's connected to some sort of deep uh, uh, commitment mm. by a student, either towards family, towards some sort of social ideal, um, some sort of philosophical or theological ideal. And so I feel like my role as an educator, I, I would not be doing right by the student if I were to just let them kind of go through the system, right. get mangled by it, and hopefully get repaired from it. But um, if they're, if I'm not helping them also preserve that sort of, um, driving moral compass yeah. that sort of that we all each have that's shaped by our own traditions.
0: That in some ways it's going to sustain our careers. So, um, so so I think we all know physicians yeah. who seem like they've lost that mm-hmm. right um, as they've gone through training. And I think it's probably not just medicine. I think yeah. it's in every field. Yeah. Right, yeah. that yeah. you go into something for a reason mm-hmm. and by the time you get there, you're kind of done with it in a way. And um, and so I'm not entirely sure it's a problem just in medicine, but I don't really know any other field. So we'll talk about that. Um, you know, do you think it's the fault of how we train people or do you think it's the fault of how we select people, that these are people who... I don't know how to say it. You know, if I say who don't have it in them, yeah. that sounds disparaging. Um, but it's just, it's not the right field for everybody. And there are people maybe who think it's the right field, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And once you've invested years of your life and unfortunately probably hundreds of thousands of dollars, it's hard to turn the ship. Yeah, That in some ways
1: it's sort of the, the million dollar question of how do you select um, the students that, in some ways, their why aligns with the needs of what we need doctors for, right, right, um, as well as the long-term goals of the profession. I mean, that pro- you know, when I was a associate program director, I was facing you know residents who you could see, oh gosh, why are they doing this? Yeah, yeah. They've already invested, you know, they already have two hundred thousand dollars in yeah. debt, and I don't know the answer to that one, Adam, because um, I think. I think it does behoove us as educators to think about the ways that we present um, the realities of medicine to future students, right? In such a way that they can be clear-eyed about what they're moving into. Yeah, um, but. Without doing without sort of dampering sort of their idealism, sure, of it could be sure. that this next generation of Gen Z physicians will actually be the ones that change the system.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: In such a way that it actually benefits the patient, benefits right. the clinicians right. who are
0: right.
1: um, working the system. Right. So I feel like that at least I can't change the system, but I can at least have this impact with this person right in front of me. Yeah. Who's just more than a more than just their CV, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. more than their human bodies, they're a human person,
0: yeah.
1: um, with different motivations. And can I can I plant one kind of philosophical seed that was a gift for me that I hope would be a gift for them and yeah. you know,
0: sort of bear fruit that underline? I love the way you put that because you know the Buck Institute is involved with this Clinical Excellence Scholars yeah, track, right. which actually works with undergrads. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a very good program. And I'm actually I'm actually sort of this sounds strange but I'm sort of excited when students go through the track and then decide not to do medicine. Yeah. Because I feel like this is great, you know, if we can have people honestly explore what medicine is and who they are and recognize that it's not for them, that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I like hearing you talk about, you know, that medicine needs to change, mm-hmm. you know, just evolve. It's not that it's horrible. Um And probably to do that, we need to attract some people who maybe don't fit perfectly now, right, to change what it is. Um, It is, as you say, it's just very complicated to figure out how you get the right people into the field.
1: I mean, this is where uh, probably at at multiple stages, I almost quit in being a doctor because I never felt like I fit. Like, why do I think about stuff this way? Um, And these days, what I appreciate that there's growing openness to saying, look, you can uh, major in the humanities and still be a good doctor, right. you know? And there's, I mean, at least when I was going through pre-med, it seemed like, you know, to be a good doctor, you really have to do well in biology and chemistry, you know? Um, and so that, that is encouraging, I think, because I think that might help attract sort of the right kinds of physician leaders who can think thoughtfully about, you know, our field. Um, but nevertheless, I don't, not to think that I'm sort of one of those, I just feel like I'm a fellow Wayfarer, Just wanting to um, do right by my patients, do right by sort of my own sort of career and uh, vocation, um, and maybe lay some sort of conceptual uh, foundation for other educators to kind of take that and say, "Hey, there's something beneficial here that was hard won from experience and pain and agony um, that maybe we can sort of take and plan a curriculum or." think about education in a different way that will benefit generations. And that's not something obviously I can control, but you sort of throw it out there kind of as a prayer.
0: (laughs) John, thanks so much for chatting today. I'm not sure, I'm not sure we've solved anything, but it's really super interesting stuff. So thanks for joining us for this episode of the Clinical Excellence Podcast. We're sponsored by the Buckspam Institute for Clinical Excellence at the University of Chicago. Please feel free to reach out to us with your thoughts and ideas via the Bucksbaum Institute webpage or on Twitter, the music for the Clinical Excellence podcast is courtesy of Dr. Malin Martinez.